Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to run through some of the top waiver wire options as we head into week 11. Jared, I think a key theme this week is to not overrate what we just saw. Keep in mind that it was one week of action. But as always in fantasy football, we have to move quickly. We have to decide whether somebody is worth picking up, how much they're worth investing in. Because you can pick somebody up without investing too heavily in that pickup. And we'll get to those specifics as we go through the players. Of course, DraftSharks.com is ready to help you make those quick decisions and help you weigh those decisions along the way. You can find our weekly waiver wire article with tips for varied league sizes. And starting this week, you can also find a dynasty stash featured in every one of our waiver wire articles. We're getting to that time of year where we're not only looking to win each week's matchups, get to and through the playoffs, but you know, we also want to find some unpolished gems for next season, just some, some dart throws, some guys that might turn into nothing, but might turn into something. And we could get them for free now, as opposed to waiting until this off season when opportunity becomes more obvious. You can also find this week, a chart recapping all of our featured grab this guy picks throughout the year and whether those guys still make sense to keep on your roster at this point, because the later we get into the season, the less it is time to actually wait for a guy to break out and do something. And the more it is to just focus on what gives me value right now, what can help me win this week, what's going to help me win in the playoffs. So Jared, we're going to focus on that aspect with the guys we're talking about going forward. And let's start at running back with Ty Chandler in Minnesota. So what do you, what do you think of this running back? How important is he on waivers this week? Yeah, I expect to be higher than consensus on Ty Chandler as a waiver pickup. And there's a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, we have a Alexander Madison and concussion protocol and based on what we, I, I think I saw recently that's 20% of players have been cleared the following week from a concussion. So, you know, Madison is unlikely to play on Sunday night and it's against Denver who they're still dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And the defense has improved overall but the run defense is still bad I mean, we just saw have james cook and latavius murray have you know plenty of success against denver on monday night so it's an awesome spot for chandler who i expect to handle the majority of the backfield work for minnesota this week they do have kenne and wangwu and they just re-signed miles gaskin so it's going to be you know those two guys behind chandler but i think you're going to get chandler getting you know well over 50 percent of the backfield work so i think he is in the running back two mix this week and even beyond that, I think there's a chance he plays a pretty significant role. Even before Madison left last week's game near the very end of the third quarter, Madison and Ty Chandler had eight carries. Madison had the only two running back targets, but they, they you know, they split carries down the middle. We saw Chandler score the touchdown on the direct snap. I don't know if it was a play designed for him, but you know, they were comfortable enough having Chandler on the field for that, you know, key play inside the five yard line. And of course, Madison just hasn't been very good this year. He's 45th among 47 qualifying running backs in pro football focus rush grade he's 43rd in rush yards over expected per attempt like if ty chandler goes out and you know puts up 100 yards against denver which you know maybe he can in this matchup i don't know maybe maybe they kind of go to him as the leader of a committee so I, I i think at this point of the season like if this was week three i'd be more cautious with chandler but like you were saying like there's only you know what four weeks left in fantasy regular seasons like th there's really no point of being too cautious at this point so i would i'd go pretty aggressively after chandler on waiver wires to me ty chandler is worth a lot more if you need a week 11 answer than if you're just looking for rest of season running back help my hesitation on ty chandler last week because of course the the cam Akers injury 
made Chandler the likely new RB2. My hesitation, though, was the Vikings have had Ty Chandler on the roster since last year. They had all of last season. They had all of this summer to assess Ty Chandler. And they deemed at the beginning of the season that he was basically not worth including in an offense that had basically just Alexander Madison in the backfield and who has not done a whole lot throughout the year. Then they quickly acquired Cam Akers when he became available and immediately put him ahead of Ty Chandler. So we didn't get a look at Ty Chandler until this past week. I think the fact that he scored a touchdown is probably going to inflate his perceived value a bit. And of course, Alexander Madison likely being out for at least one game is going to realistically inflate that value some. We still got no targets for Ty Chandler in that game. We still got just 45 yards on 15 carries. He was neutral in terms of rush yards over expected on his 15 carries for that game. So I think we're still probably talking about somebody that's not very good. He's in an excellent spot or week 11. And there is a chance that if he produces in this game, he takes some work going forward. I think how much to invest depends heavily on what you have in terms of waiver budget, what you might need the rest of the way your league format. If you're sitting on a bunch of waiver money and you know, there aren't likely to be that many spots where you're needing to spend a lot to get somebody going forward, then sure, go ahead and Spend whatever it takes to get Chandler. And if he doesn't do anything for you beyond week 11, then you haven't really lost anything. I wouldn't go chasing him too hard over other pieces. Or if you're in the kind of league where like somebody might drop Ty J Spears to get Ty Chandler this week. In that case, I would take a much more modest approach, put just enough where if I get Ty Chandler, cool. If I don't, oh, well, and then just not expect too much of him the rest of the way. Yeah, no, definitely a fair point about, you know, this coaching staff evidently not wanting to use Chandler. Now, for me, he, he passes the eye test for me. I liked how Chandler played in the preseason. I thought he had some nice runs this past week, but you know what I think doesn't matter so much, right? So if, if Minnesota doesn't like this guy, then maybe Madison's clear and he's back as the clear leader of the backfield. But I, I think Ty Chandler's good. I mean, the other knock against him here is that Minnesota's running game has just been unproductive no matter who's been in there, right? I mean, Madison and Cam Akers have, have not been very efficient. I was looking this morning, though. So the, the Vikings are 21st in adjusted line yards, the uh, you know the, the old football outsider stat. But they're also fourth in pro football focus run blocking grade. So I, I just wonder, you know, how much of the inefficiency is on the running backs versus scheme. So again, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see if Chandler, you know, get, like gives Minnesota their, their best running back performance of the season on, on Sunday night and then kind of, you know, what happens to the backfields from there. And I'll throw in that I have not seen an offensive line metric yet that you should just implicitly trust is <laughs> that that's an indication oh, yeah. that things are going well. Um, I think that's a takeaway <laughs> from those two things, not really matching up. If you're wondering just how Chandler fits alongside your running backs that you already have on your roster, check the free agent finder because it's waiting to show you that you can sort by the week 11 projections. You can sort by rest of season projections, rest of season upside projections, because we should always be shooting for ceiling. Um, regardless of where we are in the season. The free agent finder, of course, syncs directly to your league. So it uses your settings and it knows who's specifically available to you, you know, as opposed to a show like this, where we're just throwing out names because we have no idea who's actually available in your league or exactly what's going on for your team. Jared, I think the next running back on the list is a reason why going after Ty Chandler makes sense because Rico Dowdle obviously also makes sense as a potential free agent pickup 
this week as well. Just like Ty Chandler, he scored a touchdown. But what do we make of the Cowboys' number two running back on waivers this week? Yeah, I think what we got from Dowdle this past week was mostly a result of just an, a totally uncompetitive game, right? I mean, it was 28 zip at halftime. At halftime of that game, Pollard had 11 carries to four for Rico Dowdle. Dowdle out carried Pollard eight to four in the second half of the game. And if you just look at Dowdle's usage, the playing time, the volume, it really hadn't been trending up heading into this past week. So again, I think it was just a, a one-off thing. Dallas has clearly, I don't know, I guess learned their lesson because Pollard had those two games, weeks two and three, he had, you know, 25 carries and eight targets in week two, 23 carries and three targets in week three. Since then, he's only topped 20 opportunities in a game one time. So you know, Dallas has kind of figured out like, you know, let's get Pollard closer to his you know previous role he was playing alongside Zeke and he's getting you know 15 to 20 opportunities per game so that that leaves work for, for Dottle but I think we're talking about you know five to, to ten at most touches per game so I I still don't think he is a standalone fantasy option unless we get in another game where you know Dallas has a four touchdown lead at halftime but he's clearly the handcuff to, to Tony Pollard in a Cowboys offense that's been awesome lately. So I think he's, you know, he's, he's one of the better handcuffs to, to stash right now. I agree that I wouldn't expect him to do a whole lot going forward. I think he is this week's version of what Ty Chandler was last week in that. But yeah. I, I agree that we shouldn't expect usage like we had in that goofball giants game and, and really matchups with the giants, the rest of the way are probably going to break perception because it just doesn't look like a competitive team going yeah. forward. So don't judge too much from that, but we did get from Rico Dattle in this abnormally high usage, the eighth best rush yards over expected per carry for the week. That's a category in which Tony Pollard has stunk this year. He's been really good in it in the past, but he has stunk this year. Dowdle, as you said, averaged 4.4 carries per game heading into this one, but Tony Pollard's not working. Maybe they give some more work to somebody else. And of course, maybe Tony Pollard goes down and suddenly we get Rico Dowdle getting 10 to 12 touches every week just because he's the next guy up in the backfield. So not an overinvestment, not somebody to get excited about off of last week, but there is the same kind of maybe something happens going forward if you have a spot to play with. Pollard is Zeke Elliott and Dowdle is Pollard now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over to wide receiver where I think we've got the most exciting guy that we've talked about so far. It's Noah Brown of the Houston Texans, who is now leading the NFL at 20.9 yards per reception for the season. Jared, what do you think of Noah Brown? Well, I mean, it, it, it speaks to how good CJ Stroud has been, right? That he's made Noah Brown, who's been in the league for five or six years and has really never been a fantasy factor, or at least consistently. You know, Stroud has turned him into this guy who's had two massive games in a row now. The biggest thing to come from week 10 for Noah Brown is that he easily beat Robert Woods in pass routes. It was 98% of the pass routes for, for Tank Dow is the clear number one, 81% for Noah Brown, 62% for Robert Woods. Obviously Nico Collins was out for that game. So we, we we're still kind of waiting to see what this wide receiver core is going to look like since Tank Dow emerged and when Robert Woods and Nico Collins are healthy, there's going to be, you know, four guys sort of in the mix. But again, based on what we saw, this past week, you could argue that, you know, Woods coming back from the injury, they wanted to limit him. You know, that, that, that'd be, you know, the one potential knock against Brown you could still make here. But I, I think just, you know, again, based on that usage last week and just based on how they've played, Robert Woods has been not good this year in this, you know, super efficient passing game. He, you know, he's clearly been the least efficient of these four guys. So I expect even when Nico Collins gets back that, that, you know, you're going to get Noah Brown 70 to 80% of the routes and that, that can keep him in play as like, you know, wide receiver four. I think he's still going to be probably fourth in, in the pecking order for targets behind Dell and Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz, who's been consistently involved. But 
again, CJ Shroud has been so good that I think, you know, even the third wide receiver, fourth guy in the passing game can be someone we at least, you know, consider starting. Plus, I think, you know, Nico Collins is still iffy for week 11 because he did not practice at all this past past week with that calf injury. This is probably, you know, a Travis Fulgham stretch, a Devin Aruma should do, <laughs> whatever other wide receiver that suddenly comes out of nowhere and produces and you're like, oh, maybe this guy's good after all. It's probably not a long-term breakout, but why would Houston go back to Robert Woods over Noah Brown after watching Noah Brown, like I said, climb to the league lead in yards per catch. He had huge games the past two weeks and he's doing so on an average depth of target. That's behind tank Dell behind Nico Collins. Noah Brown's well ahead of both of those guys in yards after catch per reception. He had, you know, the one long touchdown that boosts that category, but somebody who's playing well, that's meshing well with the young quarterback. It makes sense for Noah Brown to stay among Houston's top three. And like you said, the quarterback's playing really well. The pass offense looks really good. So I, I think Noah Brown's worth taking a shot on right now. And especially because you have that handcuff upside in case any of those other wide receivers or even the tight end go down going forward. I think Noah Brown's a valuable piece to have like as a, a fourth wide out, maybe even fifth yeah. wide out of the fantasy team right now. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you're going to, I mean, you're going to find Brown as like a wide receiver three in our rankings. If Collins remains out and when Collins is back, I still think Brown probably, you know, gets into wide receiver four territory. So he's someone you can definitely still start in, you know, bigger fantasy leagues. Where is Jaden Reed going to fit in in the wide receiver rankings on a weekly basis? Do you think going forward behind Noah Brown for me, um, you know, barring an injury to one of these, you know, other two Packers wide receivers? I, I was excited about Reed three weeks ago in week eight. He ran a pass route on 88 percent of the Packers pass plays, which is easily a season high. Two weeks since he's gone down to 45 percent and 56 percent, which is kind of where he was hovering for, you know, pre week eight. Reed has really been the Packers best wide receiver this season. If you look at targets per route run, he's like right in line with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, but Reed pretty easily leads the trio in yards per route run 1.88 yards per route run for Jaden Reed. That's 29th among the 103 qualifying wide receivers. It's also sixth among 15 qualifying rookie wide receivers. So definitely an encouraging rookie season for, for Reed, like you know, looking long-term as a dynasty asset. He just, he needs the playing time to, you know, get, back up at least over like 70%. You can't, you can't play a guy, especially in a Jordan love led passing game that, you know, is only running around on half of the pass plays. That's the key. I like Jaden Reed. I've liked Jaden Reed since he was a prospect. I'm most interested in, in him long-term among these three Packers wide receivers, because I think he arrived with the best prospect profile among them. And you can argue about exactly what makes it a good prospect profile, but we're talking about a guy who succeeded immediately in college, went to a higher level and succeeded again. So I think long-term he looks good. I don't believe in Green Bay's pass offense for 2023. I don't think that Jaden Reed is helping your roster in a typical 12 team league, unless we're looking at like, you know, very deep lineups, extra flex spots, extra starting wide receivers, something like that. So I, I'm not super interested in picking up Jaden Reed for this year. I think that he, he could be one of those guys that's interesting in a larger dynasty trade where you just kind of get him seemingly as a throw in, but maybe as soon as next year, you've got Green Bay's number two, maybe even 
number one in a committee type wide receiver situation. Yeah, for sure. Again, I think we've seen yards per route run be a pretty good indicator of like future success for rookie wide receivers. And again, at 1.88, like that's a really strong mark for a rookie. So definitely encouraging there. The Packers do get the Chargers this week. So like there are some teams where if you're hurting with bye weeks at wide receiver, like I think Reed could be an option just because he's been efficient and because of, of this matchup. We always close this waiver show out with streaming defense picks for week 10. Jared, I think it's it's underselling it a bit to call it a streaming defense this week, though, because I think we've got good options that can help us beyond week 11. And why don't you start us off with probably one that we've talked about already in previous shows? Yeah, the, the Lions, who as of this morning, were still available in 78% of sleeper leagues. I know, you know, waivers haven't run yet, but, you know, there's, there's a good chance that the Lions defense is available in your league. I think they're a top three play this week at home for the Bears. After that, it's Green Bay, New Orleans, Chicago again, Denver. So that's five weeks you can use them. It's Minnesota after that. They're probably usable in that spot. And then it is Dallas week 17. So you probably wouldn't want to start them week 17. But the the, the Lions defense can get you, you know, into the fantasy playoffs at this point. So they are, you know, one of the higher priority ads, honestly, in, in a pretty weak waiver wire week. Like I would definitely put Ty Chandler above the Lions defense, you know, and then it probably depends like with Noah Brown, how much you need wide receiver help. But beyond that, like I, I might like, you know, make the Lions defense my like, you know, third highest priority pickup of the week. And if I don't have a team where Ty Chandler or Noah Brown is really going to start over the next couple of weeks, to me, getting a defense that I might be able to start the next six weeks is even a higher priority. Yeah, for, for sure. I think Miami is also in that mix, a little bit more rostered than Detroit coming into this week. 36% on sleeper so far. Obviously, that still makes them available in nearly two-thirds of leagues there. Similarly, they've got a bunch of favorable upcoming matchups. You know, this is why we talked about them ahead of this week, though, because now you're competing with other teams in your league that can see yeah. that favorable matchup this week. It's why looking ahead to next week can help out. And it's why the strength of schedule pages on draftsharks.com can help. If you look at those, you've known that these, these stretches of matchups were coming and you can look now and see what teams have more favorable end of season schedules or less favorable end of season schedules. Maybe teams that you need to be wary about heading in. Jared and I highlighted some of those players, some of those team schedules on last week's week 10 preview show. So you can check that out or you can just check out the strength of schedule pages for yourself for every position to try to get ahead of that. Of course, we've got all of this. We talk about it. We post it. We update it because we not only want to help you win this week, but we also want to help you win your season.